This is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. The unbreakable Tatiana Suarez chronicles the exceptional spirit and drive of the mixed martial arts fighter of the same name as she prepares to re-enter the cage after nearly four years away from this grueling sport. Join us as we talk with the writer and director Cassius Corrigan about Tatiana's journey from wrestling prodigy to professional athlete and the legacy she leaves young women, particularly those in the Latina community. Stay tuned. Cassius Corrigan, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? This is going great. I'm happy to be here and uh, couldn't be happier to talk more about this documentary. Yeah, we couldn't be happier to talk about this documentary. Uh, just to remind our listeners and viewers, we're talking about the unbreakable Tatiana Suarez, already released on HBO. Um, this is now, uh, what are what's today? February 7th. So it got released, uh, I think, late last month. It's streaming on Max. Um, don't know if it's anywhere else yet, but I imagine what filmmakers always tell me is their plans in the work to bring it to, to other regions. So, uh, so if you're not in the U S or North America, do be on the lookout for it. Uh, congratulations. Great to have you on. Uh, inspirational gets thrown around too much these days, but I can say this is truly an inspirational film. So I've had the privilege of seeing it and thank you again for, for making this. Um, maybe you can start us off. That's how we usually start here is, uh, just, Tell us what is The Unbreakable Tatiana Suarez all about? Maybe you can give us a synopsis. So The Unbreakable Tatiana Suarez tells the truly incredible story of a Mexican-American girl from Covina, California, about an hour outside of L.A., who grew up in a trailer park, uh, had a very tumultuous, uh, Mm -hmm. traumatic childhood and discovered wrestling, became obsessed with it, um, was wrestling at a time where girls didn't wrestle. And um, she was wrestling against boys and she was bullied relentlessly, not only by the boys she was competing with and beating, but their parents and their fathers. Mm. And so from a very young age, she was told she didn't belong in that sport, despite loving it and kind of having it as her outlet, her escape from Mm. um, all the difficult things she was going through at home and became this prodigy. This sensation was a 12 time national champion in high school. She competed in three different divisions and won all of them. Each of her four years of high school was the first Latina I ever recruited to the U S Olympic wrestling team and was considered the future of team USA. Um, she won a bronze medal at the world championships as a 17 year old, which was unprecedented. And everyone was just looking at her as someone who was going to dominate the sport for years and multiple Olympic cycles. Um, And then in a tragic sort of twist of fate leading up to the 2012 Olympics, she suffered a catastrophic neck injury that left her temporarily paralyzed. And when they were trying to figure out exactly what happened to her neck, they were um, doing MRIs and x-rays. They discovered not only that she had this, you know, really severe neck injury that was so bad and likely to lead her um, to paralysis were she to continue wrestling, that it forced her medical retirement from the sport. Mm-hmm. But if that wasn't enough, they also discovered that she had thyroid cancer, completely unrelated to the neck injury. So right. at 19, 20 years old, on the brink of achieving, you know, her life's dream, her life's purpose, competing in the Olympics, winning in the Olympics, 
not only does she have the entire sport taken from her, her identity taken from her, but now she's also in a fight for her life. So thus begins a four-year uh, journey battling depression, suicidal thoughts, trying to rediscover who she is without wrestling. And once she beats cancer after having her entire thyroid and um, a lot of her lymph nodes taken out, uh, she just says, you know what, if I can't wrestle, um, then, you know, fuck them. You know, I told myself I was going to be a world mm -hmm. champion and nothing's going to stop me. Not cancer, not a broken neck, not the fear of paralysis. And I guess I'm just going to now have to pursue it in a new sport. And she picked mixed martial arts, uh, cage fighting <laughs> and okay. the story of the As documentary. You do. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm trying to go at length here, but, um, Basically, she reinvented herself as a mixed martial artist, became an undefeated MMA fighter, and won the most difficult uh, MMA tournament in the world called The Ultimate Fighter that the UFC puts on. And in the documentary, not only do we tell all this backstory with, you know, really moving detail um, and layers and nuances that you wouldn't expect, but mm. we also follow her as she embarks on her second multi-year injury comeback um, you could look at Tatiana as almost the unluckiest, you know, prodigy in right, the sport. Right. And she's looked at as the greatest what if in the history of the sport. And we follow her on her ultimately triumphant return um, to the very top um, and her proving that she's one of the best fighters on the planet. Okay. And so for those not from, so uh, that was, that is, that's the film. That is indeed the film. Uh, and you've put it very well. Um, except I think it's even more inspirational than that. I, I think for those not familiar with uh, mixed martial arts, UFC, I mean, what is, she, I mean, is, what does she mean for the, for, well, uh, I do have a lot of questions about it. Cause I want, one thing I want to say, most documentaries we get on here, I will have known something about the subject matter, something even tangential. Right. I knew nothing about women's wrestling. I I knew nothing about MMA. I knew nothing about UFC, and that's uh, I found it incredibly eye opening. And in, in in its so it shows a window not on just Tatiana's life, but on on that on that uh, that sport and things that have been going on and trends of of the last uh, a few decades. I mean, what does she what does she mean for for the sport? I mean, and how is, uh, you know, this, is this something that the fans of the sport are very well aware of, or is she, you know, is, is it, you know, maybe you can put her in the context of what she means for, for MMA and, and UFC. Absolutely. And just to, uh, I'll, I'm happy to answer that, but quickly, I'm, I'm remembering something that you mentioned earlier. It should be, this documentary is an HBO original, so it's on Max, and it should be available in most territories in the world i know it's it is streaming in the uk because i had a friend in the uk um, oh good news send me a video of it it's even in israel and hebrew so i mean it's definitely uh available internationally for those okay. um, who want to check it out um, thanks for clarifying to get back that. to your, absolutely to get back to your question um what does she represent in the sport it's a really good question because we're we're shining a light on two sports in the documentary. That's her, right. The first sport that she became one of the best in the world at, which is yeah. wrestling. And then the second is mixed martial arts. And both of them fall under the broader category of um, what's called combat sports. Right. Um, those are sports that are extremely physical. You know, there are aspects of American football that might qualify, even though it's not technically a combat sport. But um, 
Tatiana is really significant as a pioneer of girls wrestling. So when Tatiana, who's 32 or 33, I think she just turned 33. When she was growing up, um, girls didn't wrestle. So like wrestling was just a boy's sport. And like the, the very small handful of girls who wanted to participate were just had to compete against boys because mm-hmm. there were no other girls in the sport. Tatiana's unbelievable success in the sport was part of a wave of sort of the first generation of female wrestlers mm-hmm. that has led to this explosion in popularity in girls wrestling. It's actually the fastest growing sport in the United States. Now um, the mm-hmm. school, she happened to be in a school district and at a school called Northview. That's um a meaningful part of our documentary that embraced girls wrestling very early on. And when they start, by the time Tatiana was in high school, there were maybe five schools in her district that participated in girls wrestling for context. Now, 15 years later, there are over a hundred. Um, so it's this exponentially growing sport. And another feature that's interesting about it is that it's heavily, there's a very strong overrepresentation of Latinas in the sport. California is a huge state for wrestling um there's a strong uh, particularly mexican population in california and tatiana as a latina is really looked at as a pioneer in the sport and somebody that a lot of these girls and people look up to but what's interesting is that she's on the mma side looked at in this you know there's this commonality between these two sports and that she's considered the greatest what if for right. both of those sports when she was on the u.s right. olympic team she was uh, before she got injured, she was for it's divided by weight class, right? So every, mm-hmm. on each team, you have different girls that compete in different weight classes. So she was number one in her weight class. The girl that she would consistently be, who then took over the number one spot when Tatiana got injured, is a woman named Helen Maroulis, who went on to become maybe the greatest American female wrestler ever, maybe the greatest female wrestler ever with multiple Olympic gold medals. So then you wonder, well, if Tatiana was better than her, what would she have done in the sport? Right. And then you follow her over now to MMA, and she similarly has beaten multiple former world champions, not just beaten them, finished them. And even one of the current champions is someone that she nearly choked unconscious and finished uh, earlier in her career. So it's the kind of story that it's like the greatest what if, and at the heart of it is this girl who's just every obstacle you could ever imagine life throwing at you she's had it man from a dad who abandoned her on her birthday at seven years old to a traumatic sort of abusive childhood you know to being told she doesn't belong cancer broken neck other Mm -hmm. major injuries and you by the end you're just screaming for her to get the recognition that she deserves and then the amazing part is that she delivers yeah yeah, I mean, what what drives her? I mean, a former wrestling coach says she has this need to win versus this desire to. A lot of people have a desire to win. She has a need to win. But what? I mean, I mean, many people. Uh, you could say everything she's been through, but a lot of people would be face hurdles like that and just some be right to give up. Right? What what keeps her going? It's absolutely amazing. It's a great question. And that was one of my main curiosities that led me to want to make this documentary. Um, When I first discovered her story, just the unbelievable like cancer, broken neck, double whammy, and then to reinvent yourself as one of the best fighters in the world. I was like, that's crazy. Who is this person? What does that look like? As I became more familiar with her story, that question you just asked, well, what drives, like what is inside someone's head that in their psychology that would enable them to do something like this or to want to do something like this. 
And what we discovered in the four and a half years that I've been making this documentary right. um, is that she she comes from a lineage of very strong-minded, some might say stubborn <laughs> women who are, when they want to do something, they just will not be denied. Um, that's right. part of, right. I think, like one of the surprises that I, I've been getting truly the most humbling and incredible feedback on this project. And one of the right. things that people are surprised by is the depth of the emotional resonance of her family story. Um, yes. For context, her mom, her mom was 15 years old when she got pregnant with uh, Tatiana's older brother, Chris. And, uh, you know, her parents wanted her to abort the child so that right. she could continue, you know, becoming an adult and going to school and having a normal life. But at 15, Tatiana's mom, stubborn as she is, had this feeling of, no, I want to have this child. And even if you're threatening to kick me out of the house and I'm going to have to figure out how to be a 15-year-old mm. single mother on my own high school dropout, like I'll figure out how to do that. So this is it's part of her DNA that there's that stubbornness. Um, but then there's a really complicated and powerful mother-daughter dynamic between yes. Tatiana and her mom that's definitely at the heart of her psychology she says at one point in one of the interviews and this was something that really struck me um her mom sacrificed a lot a tremendous amount for Tatiana mm -hmm. to have the opportunities to wrestle when girls didn't wrestle but mm -hmm. at the same time she was extremely hard on Tatiana and her siblings so that you know to kind of prove to the world that she made the right choice to not abort her children mm. and to have a family starting so young. And she, so she really wanted them to win and dominate. And she was extremely sort of, she could be extremely harsh with them early on. And with, in Tatiana's words, she both wanted to prove her mother wrong and to make her happy. And so yeah. there's something about that contradictory dichotomy in her, brain that i think is at the root of of all yeah. of it you know and then even the grandmother who says well the mother even goes a little too far and then you've got the great uh yeah. some video footage of with tatiana at like four or however old she is and she's just <laughs> shouting at her, at her to i don't know i can't remember the exact phrase but she's basically yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like her kill her yeah, kill him here. kill him <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you see it's so funny you bring that up that's one of my favorite clips yeah her grandmother there's video of her of tatiana wrestling as a like four-year-old against the boy and you can hear her grandmother screaming, make him cry. Make, make him, him cry. cry. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's listen, they are these are these are tough people that life did not give any, you know, advantages to. These are people right. who had right. to fight for everything that they have and that they want in their life. So it's like it's just for me, it's just been so inspiring being around them because they mm -hmm. really there's just no such thing as an excuse, you know, like it's just get to work and earn what you want. You know, it's really, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think uh, now you've, you described her as the biggest, what if in two different sports, but is she's, I mean, that question isn't completely, we can't completely answer that question yet. Right. Because she's made this comeback. We won't talk, well, spoiler alerts. We won't uh, talk too much about uh, the end of the film, but, uh, I know she's got a fight coming up. She's had to withdraw, but I mean, she's she's still going to be going for the title if her body will cooperate, won't she? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I would say she's like the definitive biggest what if in girls wrestling, without a doubt. 
And then now in MMA, those are the words of Ariel Helwani, who's the, the biggest journalist, most respected journalist in the right. sport. Right. And he used that uh, phrase to describe her because four years ago, um, right before we started the documentary, Tatiana was just running through the division. She was just right. beating girls up, finishing them, like not even competitive fights. Like she was just dominating these girls. And everyone was already starting to call her the champ, the champ, because everyone just expected her to become the champion. And the last fight that she had um, before, before we started making this documentary and documenting her second big comeback was a number one contenders fight, meaning whoever won would get the title shot. And she won that fight, but in the process re-injured her neck, which right. ended up keeping her out for another four years, which is what we documented in real time in the documentary. So that's why she's considered, because it was like such a done, every, everyone, yeah. every pundit, every fighter, like everyone who was around the sport, it was just everyone was convinced by this time next year, she'll be the champion. And she hasn't gotten that chance yet to fight for the belt, but right now where she is, um, is right at the top of that conversation for the next person to get um, yeah. a title shot so okay and then for the documentary yeah exactly it's like well i have a feeling i mean you tell me i mean you know so if this doesn't work out she's going to do to something else what what's what any, any clue what she does after after this i mean she's not gonna be able to f- fight mma forever so it's you know it's it's a it's a good question um most people um have backup plans Right. But not Tatiana, you know, like that's the mm. thing that I, I, I'm somebody who um, lifelong athlete, lifelong competitor. I'm a very competitive person. I like I hold myself to a very high standard, you know, and mm. not but not until I was around Tatiana did I really, truly see what a world class work right. ethic and dedication right. and focus right. looked like. She doesn't if you try to even talk to her about things that don't relate to how she can get better at, her, at pursuing her goal of being the best fighter in the world. Yeah. It's like a force field around her brain that like, it just doesn't, those things that don't contribute to her success, like just don't enter her mind. Like she just does it just in one ear and out the other. And it's a fascinating thing to see just how truly all in she is and what that world champion level focus looks like. And I give you that context to say that, She's not thinking about it because that's not going to help her <laughs> win a world championship. <laughs> Whereas there, many the rest of us are constantly thinking of all the things that will go wrong. It's uh, it's right. uh, it's interesting. Hey, I think this is a good time for to give our audience uh, a, a break. So uh, just to say that we'll be right back with uh, Cassius Corrigan, the filmmaker behind the Unbreakable Tatiana Suarez, released on HBO and streaming on Max. You can see it pretty much anywhere from what we hear, even in Israel in Hebrew. So uh, do, <laughs> do check it out. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Cassius Corrigan, writer and director of The Unbreakable Tatiana Suarez, released on HBO and streaming on Max. Um, we, you already, we touched briefly already about how you had the sort of idea for this project. Um, but uh, how did you gain access? How did you, did you just approach them and how easy was that? <laughs> so it's a funny story. Um, 
I come more from the scripted background of film right. and television. Um, I actually had never made a documentary before, but um, I had made my first movie and it was a, like a micro budget, no budget movie that I made in Miami called Huracan, um, yeah. a psychological thriller set uh, in the world of mixed martial arts in Miami. And uh, we had a kind of a charm trajectory and mm. we got, you know, we did the film festival circuit. We ended up getting uh, licensed by HBO, which was uh, kind of a shocking dream come true type moment. Mm. And in the wake of that, you know, I was thinking long and hard about what I wanted to do next. And what I knew for sure was I wanted to do a project that I would not um, act in because <laughs> right. I was the lead actor of that movie. So I wanted to be able to focus behind the camera telling someone else's story. And um, I knew I also wanted to do an ins inspirational story. Um, I really wanted to do something that was uplifting. And I would like to, and I also had the idea in the back of my head that it would also be nice if it was about a Latina main character. Because right. part of my family is Colombian and Latinas okay. in particular are like the most underrepresented group. And I just felt, you know, I like as a storyteller, I want to tell stories that haven't been told. I think there's a unique mm -hmm. value in that. And as someone who's building my career, you know, as a filmmaker and in Hollywood, I also saw that as like a necessary opportunity where I could be doing something that other people aren't doing, you know? Yeah. Um, so all that was in my head one day when I was watching a UFC event, it happened to be the one where Tatiana was fighting for that number one contender spot. And uh, she won the fight and I'm an MMA fanatic. I'm a martial artist. Uh, I love the UFC so much. And so that was kind of the, my first exposure to her. And afterwards it was revealed that she had a serious neck injury going into the fight right. and fought anyways. Hmm. Uh, and so I Googled her and I saw on her, her Wikipedia was very short at the time, right. but it said something to the effect of Tatiana was the former wrestling prodigy and the first Latina to wrestle for Team USA. Mm. Um, at 20 years old, right before the Olympics, she broke her neck, was nearly paralyzed, and they discovered that she had cancer, period. Four years later, she started fighting in MMA and now is an undefeated UFC fighter. That was the entirety of her Wikipedia. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, wait, this girl is one of the best fighters in the world. And in a prior sport, she was one of the best in the world until a broken neck and cancer Right. knocked her out like how do i not know about this story you know like i'm somebody who grew you know i love the rocky franchise like right even if you compare this to the rocky story i was like this is a crazier story than rocky and it's true and it's from a perspective as a latina athlete that right most people have never seen a latina athlete ever as a not even just a character but a yep. main character in a film show documentary mm -hmm. so it just kind of checked all those boxes in terms of the type of story I was really hoping to find. Um, mm. And so when I first, so I reached out to her on Instagram um, as one does, you know, and I just <laughs> sent her a direct message and I had a girlfriend at the time and I DM Tatiana and I said something to the effect of, Hey, I saw you fight recently. And I read, I'm a filmmaker. I read a little bit about your story. You have like such a crazy story. Um, you know, if you're open to it, I'd love to take you out to lunch and learn a little bit more about you. And um, she responds and she's like, yo, like, I see that you have a girlfriend. Like, why are you being like a scumbag? Like trying to like 
take me out to lunch, like when you're obviously in a relationship. And I was like, no, no, I was like, I should have been way more specific. I, I think there's like a movie here yes, you know, exactly. that we can make or something. <laughs> so that's just who Tatiana is. Man. She just keeps it real. She's very direct. It's super refreshing. Um, but we ended up going to lunch and, um, we, it just was one of those conversations that just went for hours and um, I just became very interested in her story. And I started, I, we did a couple sit down interviews with her and her mom and her brother. And originally I was just doing background research for a movie, but the mm. more I delved deeper into her story and saw that, Oh wow. Her relationship with her mom is like a really powerful, complex one. Oh, her relationship with her brother who was also like, a pioneer in wrestling, one of the mm. best wrestlers of his generation in California. Um, it's also interesting because he was like a surrogate father figure for Tatiana. And then like, yeah. oh, the, the high school that they went to was a pioneer in girls right. wrestling. And right. wait, girls wrestling is one of the fast growing sports in the country. And, and, and I realized with Tatiana, she was about to embark on another sort of Herculean comeback effort um, mm. from another sort of career threatening injury. So right. Those things all led me to okay, well, why don't this? Why don't I do this as a documentary? You know, and mm. for the first year and a half, uh, it was just Tatiana myself and a camera, and I would just kind of document what her rehab looked like, um, what she was able to do in that time, doing these sit-down interviews with a lot of people in her community, and um, once I had enough material, I edited uh, what someone in the industry would call a proof of concept. It was basically right. like a short documentary; it's about ten minutes long. And um, I was able to pitch that to HBO through um, a partnership that I had made with Michael Strahan's company, Smack. Okay. Um, Michael Strahan's like a Hall of Fame American football player who's yeah. now also a big media personality and producer. And um, HBO, to very much to their credit, decided to make not only their first MMA documentary ever, but their first documentary ever about a Latina athlete. Mm. So um, they really believed in me. They believed in Tatiana and the support they gave us is like, I still kind of can't believe it. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. And they believed in the story because as, as you as any filmmaker would know, you have no idea where this is going, right? You just start filming it with her comeback. It could have ended. It could have, I mean, you had a, you had a great picture there anyway, probably, but you, right. but to capture this these last four years and and where it's ended right. up is is quite incredible. Right. It's it's been the most incredible experience of my life, and um, I'll just never forget it, man. It left a mark on my soul for sure. Just being around Tatiana and just seeing the courage that she has. What people don't realize is the nature of her neck injury is such that you know she's risking paralysis by continuing her career. Well, that's and I mean. Yeah, I was she, just going to say one. She, of, it, yeah, go ahead. Her, her depth of conviction in yeah. her goal of proving that she's the best in the world, being finally getting that recognition as a world champion, and in showing to the people, the many people who look up to her, this is the kind of strength and resilience that we're capable of. Like she truly lives that every single day, and I just the closer I got to her into the story, it just dawned on me, like, what are these other athletes that we revere? You know, the Michael Jordan, the mm. Kobe Bryant's, like these right. iconic figures, the, the Pele's, you know, from different yeah. sports. Like we, we idolize these figures for being great competitors, but what did they have? What were they risking? 
Yeah. Like, look at what Tatiana is risking every day. And like, she has that mentality. So to me, it was just like, this is one of the greatest stories I've ever encountered in sports. So I just was willing to do whatever it took to, to bring it to life. And uh, it, it's, it's, as you say, well, for me, at least, it's a sport that I wasn't that familiar with. And I think it, your film your film has many insights, uh, but even beyond Tatiana and the competitive spirit and uh, Latino culture and all these, these things that have been happening, um, you have incredible access to UFC um, uh, and thought that was very interesting and compelling. And what do most outsiders or people who aren't fans of the sport, what do you think we most misunderstand about MMA and, and, and UFC and what has been happening the last sort of, oh, you'll probably tell me it's been going on for longer, but the last 20 years or so, I mean, as it's taken off. It's, it's such a good question. Um, it's one of my favorite uh, things to think about with respect to the sport because there are a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, it's the sport itself is only 30 years old. So the entire right. sport of MMA, mixed martial arts, is only 30 years old. The okay. UFC is the promotion that created the sport. The UFC is like in the UK, the Premier League, right? The right, UFC right. is just a, right. a promotion and then the sport itself is mixed martial arts. The bigger, uh, I'd say the most common misconception is that these fighters are like thugs or like criminals or like these crazy ma lunatic maniac, like aggressive people. But when you meet UFC fighters, what shocks so many people is their humility and mm. their even headedness. That's it's it's really like until you see it and feel it in person, you can you have like this crazy expectation of what a fighter is going to be like, but what the reason they are that way is they've been humbled so many thousands mm. of times in their decade plus of martial arts experience. You know, like you can't get great at that sport without there's so many different aspects to it. There's kicking, there's punching, there's wrestling, there's jujitsu, you know, there's karate, there's every single martial art in the world is combined in MMA and no one is going to be the best at every single individual piece of that. Right. So they go through a process of being humbled as they become proficient and then excellent at these various martial arts. So there's just the, the character of the fighters is something that I think people misunderstand. And then I also think like the violence for a lot of people is the headline. Right. Where right. and it kind of makes it harder for them to see the artistry and the technique and the tactics that exactly. are incredibly detailed and nuanced and layered um that these fighters are bringing to the table you know yeah. yeah i guess that you know even for those who maybe have followed boxing you know boxing is in a ring this is in a cage right you know it's this even got the some of the terminology around it but uh but yeah that's what struck me was this this discipline well obviously the discipline and the training but like the technique like the way you know you have some scenes there where she and others are just walking through like how you do a certain move, and and right. it's very, very choreographed is not a word I don't want to use because that sounds like we're talking about professional wrestling or something. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how they're thinking about exactly what every little move that's you know, and how you counteract every single little move. I mean, I know there's other sports that have this element too, but it was just uh, uh, just very insightful, and very, very, uh, very interesting, and and also. I mean, it appears to me it's just that it, it seems like the ultimate grueling sport. I mean, you have to have exactly. uh, you have to have a, an amazing. Besides the physical uh, 
make up for this. You, you, the mental, and I guess this gets back. Then does get take us back to Tatiana. The mental aspect of this is is incredible. absolutely. It, it's it, it's and you ask any fighter, and they'll all tell you that the psychology, the mental side of it, is by far the most important piece because not only is it so unimaginably complex, like just to give you a context, one martial art, let's say jujitsu, mm. has hundreds if not thousands of moves and sequences and steps from an offensive standpoint and from a defensive standpoint you know it's a lifetime to master just that one martial art and then you take that you put that martial art aside then you have boxing then you have wrestling then you have karate then you have muay thai then you have taekwondo then you have sambo then you have wing chun you know like there's so it's it's an infinite there's a genuinely infinite variety of sequences that combine different martial arts that are available to martial artists so mm. you it's it's interesting in that way where it becomes a tool of self-expression you know like these these fighters find the martial arts and the sequences and the combinations that are best are, that are most optimized for them and their fighting style mm. um so like the psychology around it is fascinating and then this the other piece of it is the actual like outside of the x's and o's right outside of the tactics it's right. the psychological compromise that these fighters make going into a fight like they one of the really fascinating and incredibly profound parts of it is that you know a lot of them consciously think about the fact that they they're doing something they're competing in a fight in which they might become paralyzed where they might mm. not only suffer grievous bodily harm but where they could conceivably die or on the other or alternatively take someone's life right so the the stakes and the spiritual component um are so much deeper in this sport than any other sport you know boxing would be the only one that's comparable right. especially in this in the fact that they only get to compete a very very few times per year um mm. two to three is the average number of fights that a professional fighter in mma would have in a calendar year so that's not many opportunities to prove right who you are to advance your position in the sport. So the stakes that come around each individual fight are just so heightened that once you get into the sport and into the world, it's hard to watch other sports because the stakes are so much lower that you're like, how do I even care about it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, I, I you know, I can, I, I can, I, I can imagine. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, and then, take it back to this film I mean, and you've already mentioned this but uh just to draw a uh, dwell on this a l just a little bit more but um this project i guess it obviously started out about being about tatiana and her making this comeback but it becomes about so much more and you know it becomes about women's wrestling and it becomes let's give another shout out to northview high school in covina california's mm -hmm. res girls wrestling program and uh uh, you know, uh, Latinas in 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 sport and such and th this sort of sport. I mean, in, in those those young women are um, can call them girls because some of them are quite young in the program. They are in the high school. It's just a, that is a that was an interest. They're so how best to put it. They seem so mature and with it. 
these these yeah. young women that you interview. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I can't imagine any of my kids being that with it in, in many right, ways. Right, right. So yeah, so what Matthew's referred to is um, there's a thread of the documentary where we're following um, girls that are that are themselves following in Tatiana's footsteps. So they're current high schoolers mm-hmm. at Northview, who many of whom kind of look up to Tatiana as the example, the role model, sort of the icon, so to say, from that community, um, and particularly for that sport. And so through these girls, Tatiana's story is so crazy that it's almost, you know, unrelatable because it's so many insane back-to-back things. But the girls give us this really relatable insight into the sport. And I think one of the beautiful things that we discovered and or, or uncovered, I would say, uh, in the process of making the documentary is in a very fundamental way, just the utility of sports as a way to build character for life mm. and a way to open up opportunities that these girls wouldn't have otherwise. Um, the community that they come from in Covina is um, very much Mexican American and very much blue collar, middle class, uh, lower middle class families, families that are working class, you know, yeah. and yeah. A lot of whom maybe the girls, you know, or the kids wouldn't go to college or get opportunities to go to college. But wrestling um, is opening up opportunities for these kids that they wouldn't have had otherwise to get higher education. And one of the really uh, counterintuitive things that I wasn't expecting is the role of self-confidence and self-belief that girls are developing through wrestling. So one of the things that I think maybe some of the more ignorant fans of the sport have is they're like wondering well girl, should girls even be doing this it's just so right. masculine like isn't right. it going to masculinize these women and what i discovered and what one of our um, subjects leilani said so beautifully is she was like when i before i started wrestling i was so self-conscious i didn't want people to look at me so i right. wouldn't right. do my hair i wouldn't wear makeup i just didn't want anyone to look at me because i was so self-conscious but once she started wrestling she gained the self-confidence and the, the level of kind of identity and yeah. self-belief that then she started wearing makeup. Then she felt comfortable doing her hair because now she was comfortable with people looking at her because she felt confident in her own skin. And I think yeah. the, those more unexpected uh, yeah. aspects yeah. of what sports can do for people and how a program you know can impact the community are, are some of the more surprising and really, to me, valuable layers um that i'm so proud that we were able to highlight in the doc well indeed uh, this film's got a lot of layers to it and all worth unpeeling and and watching (laughs) and observing so thank you so much um i think we're coming to the end of our time together actually uh cassius but before we go uh what is next for you would you do another doc this was your first one uh are you thinking about another one I don't know how you taught that because genuinely this is one of the most incredible underdog stories I've ever encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana White, the head of the UFC called this not only one of the greatest comeback stories in the history of MMA, but one of the greatest comeback stories in the history mm-hmm. of sports. And it really is that superlative. I guarantee you, if you watch this documentary, you will be inspired and you will be, it will move you and it will leave a mark. Um, so to me, it's going to be hard to top that. Like, I don't know how I'm going to find a story that can like reach that level, but 
I absolutely I have um we are working on a, a movie adaptation of Tatiana's story. So that's I would something have thought that I'm so. very excited about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um there are yeah, a lot of other projects in the works. I am actually working with the guys, um, Rob Weiss and Steven Levinson, the creators and producers of Entourage and Ballers and How to Make okay. in America on an MMA uh show that's sort of in that same vein of a group of friends who seek to rise to the top of their respective field or industry in entourage mm. it was hollywood in right. ballers it's professionals uh nfl the professional football in how to make an america it's fashion and now we're doing it in the world of mixed martial arts so okay that is uh that's that's on deck okay well we'll be on the lookout for that uh and uh yes if you do another doc we'd love to have you on again it's been great uh, talking with you and uh just remind our viewers and listeners We've been talking with acclaimed filmmaker Cassius Corrigan, the writer and director of The Unbreakable Tatiana Suarez, released on HBO and streaming on Max. Do check it out. Thanks again, Cassius. It's been great to have you on. Thank you so much for the time and for the opportunity to, to shed some more light on this story and this project. Yeah, it's a great story. It's an amazing story. Uh, everyone should see this. So thank you again. Thanks again for joining us on Factual America. A big shout out to everyone at Intersound Audio in York, England for their great studio and fine editing and production skills. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to you, our listeners. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, which specializes in documentaries, television, and shorts about the U.S. for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is factualamerica.com.